Welcome, friends. I'm Pam Pastor, your host for the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. Today, we are beginning our two-part series on the promises of God. The Bible contains thousands of promises, but we're going to be covering a few universal ones that we can apply to most any situation. And as always, we'll be diving deeper into these promises to glean the contextual relevance assisting us to retain what we're learning, thereby making it easier for application within our lives. So let's get started now. And remember, for all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. You know, during trials and suffering, we often think wrongly that God has turned his back on us. We tend to focus on the problem and not upon the vision. We might say, it's impossible. I'm too tired. Nobody loves me. I am too weak. I don't know where to turn. I can't do it. I'm not capable of doing this on my own. I can't forgive myself. It's not worth it. I can't imagine this on my own. I'm fearful. I'm troubled. I don't have enough faith. I don't make good choices. I feel all alone. My heart is broken. My life isn't what I had hoped for. But the reality of the situation is that God is present and he is at work in all of our lives all of the time. And here is what God says and what we need to be speaking over our lives. These are some of the promises of God. All things are possible with me. I will give you rest. I love you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. I will direct your steps. You can do all things through Christ. I am sufficient. I forgive you. It will be worth it. I will supply all your needs. I will strengthen and help you. Cast all your cares on me. I've given everyone a measure of faith. I'll give you wisdom. I will never leave you or forsake you. I heal the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds. I will perfect that which concerns you. And you know, friends, I've got to say, just reading the comparison of sometimes our false fears and what we say versus the word of God, you can just feel the power and feel the shift in your body when you read the promises of God. I highly encourage you to do a study for yourself and dig in deep and start reading and reciting the promises of God over your life. Luke chapter 18 verse 27 says, but he said the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Yes, God says all things are possible with me. Dr. Luke was telling us with God, all things are possible. In the flesh for anyone to live with God is impossible. No one on his own is good enough righteous enough or even holy enough to win a place in heaven. Only God can bring about the miracle of salvation into our lives. 
We learn in Job chapter 42, verse 2, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. Job, like us, must have complete submission to the sovereignty of God. He was affirming that God is free. He can do anything and he does what is good and right. To truly live successful lives, each person must humbly bow down before God in both our worship and our repentance. We're not merely living in silence, but we're living in submission. And too often, if we're subject to immense pain, suffering, or loss, our immediate minds cannot understand why would God have allowed this? But like Job, we too may be willing to suffer, but are often adamant about knowing what we've done to deserve the pain that we're enduring. And often, we'll find our understanding is deficient because we fail to take into action this sovereignty of God. And this means God moves our secret to us. At times, His moves are seemingly ones that afflict us. Yet what we know is that God works all things together for good to those who love Him, to those that are called according to His purpose, His word tells us so. So this is another promise that we have. With God, it will be worth it. And the prophet Jeremiah prays for understanding. And sometimes our finite minds are unable to catch the entire vision. What the Lord asks us seems irrational. We learn in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Jeremiah was praying for understanding and strengthening of his faith by recalling the promise that there is nothing too hard for God. What we do in times when we're tired, what about when we're tired of the struggle, tired of the fight? that we find ourselves in that was never ours to even begin with, or we're tired of slander from people who don't even know us, or we're tired of a lack of empathy to a situation that screams group think. Well, Jesus promises us true rest. We learn in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus calls us to him. Here, Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And one of the most ingratiating commands in all of the Bible is Jesus's invitation to come. He wants us to join him now, not later, in his power, in his strength. He's speaking to all of the people who feel oppressed, whether it's in routine or the monotony of overwork, responsibilities, or just plain old tensions of life. When Jesus calls those who are heavy laden, he's referring to something being laid laid upon a person from an outside source. This turns into burnout in our lives, but Jesus's form of rest is different. This isn't a rest from working, but rather it's refreshment and rejuvenation to keep on working 
keep on going. And our culture today, coming under the yoke of another, sounds foreign. And that's because in our present age, we're not used to agricultural examples. Oxen were often yoked together for plowing the fields. And in order to be effective, they had to be equally yoked for best results. Otherwise, say you had one large oxen and one small, they would just merely go around in circles. Here Jesus is offering for us to be yoked with him, meaning to come under his leadership. When believers submit coming under Jesus's yoke, we place ourselves under his authority and under his dominion. It's only then that we believers can fully enjoy our day-to-day release from the stresses of life as God intended it to be. So far, we've solidified that all things are possible with Jesus and he will give us rest. But what about when our thoughts and our feelings tell us that nobody loves us? What then? Well, again, we must stand firmly upon the truth that says God loves me. This promise is found in John chapter 3, verse 16, where Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And this is God's plan of redemption for you and for me. It's true that it is a mystery as to why the plan had to be this way. However, with that said, the evidence is irrefutable that God loves you and he loves loves me. And this is a gift that neither you nor me can repay. It's extraordinary and extravagant, his love and his kindness. And at the end of each podcast episode, I suggest that we show God our gratitude by growing deeper in our obedience and our relationship with him daily. And we all experience times when we think we're too weak, perhaps both mentally and or physically. We cry out, I'm just too weak, God. And the reply back is, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And we have a great example of this. The Apostle Paul was given a thorn in his flesh. Many have speculated as to the nature of Paul's thorn being enemies, or maybe it was his eyesight issues, or even a preventative for pride. Nonetheless, this too is an enigma or a mystery. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, Paul says, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. It's hard to imagine that the great Apostle Paul experienced a thorn in the flesh, but when we remember that Paul, like us, was a human man operating in both a carnal human body, we realize his flesh, like ours, was prone to corrupt and corrupting ways, even though God was giving him spiritual revelations and visions. We must always remember that God is greater than Satan and greater than our flesh. It's often through our brokenness that we're made humble, and God's power shines through our lives when we submit to Jesus. The provision of God is always more than sufficient for our needs. He gives us His grace for every trial we will ever face. And Paul suffered for Christ's sakes. And with that said, we learn that he was stabilized, not 
stressed, but take a listen to what he endured over his lifetime as a Christian man. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 through 28, it's put like this, From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weary in toil, in sleeplessness, often in hunger and thirst, in fastings, often in cold and nakedness. Beside the other things, what comes upon me daily? My deep concern for all the churches. What a list. And look how he ended it. He's concerned for the churches. Now, a commentary that addressed Paul's pain had much to say. This portion of scripture was the mark of Paul's authenticity. He certainly suffered for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The 39 lashes or stripes he received were a Jewish punishment for false teaching, blasphemy, and serious law-breaking. Beating with rods was the Gentile punishment for disturbing the peace. In addition, the wounds his persecutors inflicted on Paul and the permanent scars that were left became for him the mark of Jesus in his body. And yet Paul's pain didn't subside with physical suffering. He cared deeply for the churches that he was so heartbroken when the body of Christ was wounded. This was the apex of his trials, that as a true shepherd, he was burdened for the church. Now, the commentary says it's a fact of life. If you sail long enough, you will experience choppy waters. Still, the most relevant part of stressful situations can be overcome through the principle of integration. When we integrate our agenda with God's agenda, making them one agenda under him, we remove most of the sources of stress in this life. This integration can only happen after we've carefully examined our own agenda. And if it does not align with God's will and his word, we must place our plans aside and submit to him. God's plan is so strong that we'll have victory over stress. It's all about integrating our internal self with our external self. So how do we achieve this? Well, we must build up and strengthen our inner selves to be prepared. Outer stresses do impact us the most when we've not taken time to build up our inner self by focusing upon God's word. Before we find ourselves in the midst of trials and tribulations, we must be diligent in writing God's word upon our hearts. This ensures that we are rock solid and ready for whatever comes our way. By standing tall upon this foundation, we won't be scrambling when faced with with adversity. And Paul teaches us when we feel like we don't know where to turn, to turn toward God who will direct our steps. Solomon says this truth as well is found in Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Now the caveat to this promise is if we want God to direct our paths, 
has, we must already be doing what we know to be right. Obedience to God activates his promises in our lives. When we solely depend upon our own understanding of truth and life, we disregard God's will. This solo dependence places us at grave risk for becoming prideful in our own eyes rather than joining with God and living our best lives with him. And yet there may come times in life where we think, I just can't do it. But God's word says, we can do all things through Christ. Specifically, Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 states, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We find as Christians that the people of God support one another and the power of God strengthens us. Paul's life teaches us a vital lesson in these areas. His life teaches contentment, everywhere and in all things. This is a learned behavior, not one that we automatically inherit at birth. It's nurtured, not given by nature. It's not given to us upon our circumstances. And additionally, this is achieved through a state of being rather than a state of doing. Being content is an act of choice that we must choose. It doesn't just happen. We must remain vigilant to resist discontentment. That is the easy spirit to adopt in this fast-paced world. And at times, we may experience irrational fear and think to ourselves, I'm not capable of doing this on my own. But we must remember, we're not on our own. God is with us. His word teaches that he is sufficient. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, Paul teaches, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. God is not only our supplier of all things, He also is our multiplier. He alone is responsible for the circle of grace. Maybe you've heard circle of trust from Meet the Parents, that movie. Well, this is circle of grace. It's God who gives us seed to sow. And as we give without hesitation or reservation for other Christian saints, God enriches both the sower and the receiver beyond what was originally sown. In God's kingdom, grace given is grace multiplied. As we stand in remembrance of God's total and perfect provision, we can be confident that fear can be displaced by giving generously. God more than sufficiently meets our needs, meaning we'll have more than all that is needed. As Christian believers, we can rest upon God's promises that his grace multiplies resources and opportunities. So friends, join me back tomorrow as we finish looking at what God's word says about these promises and we look more into specific promises. And if you've not been spiritually reborn, God made it clear to enter into the kingdom of heaven, a person must confess belief in his son, Jesus. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. When we place our trust in Jesus, a divine exchange takes place. Jesus takes our sin, making us right with God. Our sin was then placed on to Jesus at his crucifixion. 
His righteousness is given to us upon our conversion. So while it's true, as I said earlier, we can never repay this extraordinary and extravagant gift of kindness back to Jesus, what we can do is show him gratitude by growing in our relationship with him daily. Today, friends, if this is you, I'm going to implore you to take action now. Step out boldly in faith and conviction toward the kingdom of God by openly confessing after me. Father God, I come before you, repenting of known and unknown sin in my life, meaning I'm changing my ways of thinking, acting, and showing up in this world. Jesus, you're welcome to take up permanent residence as my king upon the throne of my heart. I confess your shed blood washed away my past, present, and future sins upon that cross at Calvary. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, you were saved and born again spiritually. Congratulations. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you through the person of the Holy Spirit. Now consider growing in a good Bible-based church where you can surround yourself with other like-minded believers who will assist you in edifying and building up your newfound faith in Christ. Again, congratulations and God bless you on making the wisest and most important decision of your lifetime. And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available daily. A special children's Jesus Talk University podcast airs on Wednesdays. So tune in along with your children for Bible stories you may be familiar with. Our episodes do share and discuss Jesus's unlimited power in our present day life lives. We delve into many topics and that are considered all things Jesus. If you like this episode, make sure to like and subscribe so you're going to get the latest releases as they become available. And until next time, remember you've been marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus Christ forever. And a final word given to us from Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 4 states, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and a power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. God bless you. And if you receive this, friends, say amen.